Hello again, everybody. Hockey fans in the United States and Newfoundland. Cool Button Hockey Podcast episode 87 overall is underway. Craig, I was ornery going to bed last night. I got a tweet from someone who's a big Phil Kessel fan. Phil Kessel in the Hall of Fame, and I sometimes hate this topic because the only Hall of Fame I was in was the Ball Hockey Hall of Fame in Scarborough. So it's hard to talk about a NHL player, multi-millionaire, cup champions, everything else. But but Craig, like let's let's Iron Man streak is one thing, and that's great. But where are you on this? Phil Kessel's not getting to 500 goals, might not even get to a thousand points. Scored eight goals last year, has one assist at press time. His defensive game wouldn't get him in the hall. Yes, he was great when the Penguins won the cup. People say, well, 500 goals, 1,000 points. Yeah, but not if you play 1,300 games. Like, come on, man. I just, no. A Hall of Fame, if you got to sell me on the Hall of Fame, you're not a Hall of Famer. Yay or nay? Oh, and by the way, welcome. <laughs> by the way, I'm glad to be welcome. I'm, I'm a yay with you there. Listen, Bill was a very good player. Full stop. That's what he is. So if very good players now are Hall of Famers, then we got a lot of very good players that are going to be in the Hall of Fame, right? To me, and 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 you know, uh, I, I was reading an article uh, about Mark Howe, and he talked about the Hall of Fame. Mark Howe's a Hall of Famer. Mark Howe was a heck of a defenseman. And he talked about, you know, he doesn't really feel that he belongs in the Hall of Fame. He feels that it should be reserved for the greats. Like, you know, and, and he talked about that. Now, I think it's the humility of Mark Howe because he he was a he was a brilliant player on the ice. Anyway, Phil Castle Hall of Famer, no, no, full, no, full stop. And you know what, Iron Man streak. So okay, I guess that Keith Yandel's going to the Hall of Fame because he had a good Iron Man streak. And Doug Jarvis is going to the Hall of Fame. I guess he had a, you know, Phil Castle was never the best player on his team. He was never the best player in his position in the league. You know, there's a lot of things that, and, you know, winning the Stanley Cup, yeah, he was good. Like, there's lots of players that are good when your team wins the Stanley Cup. Bill certainly was good, and he he deserves his accolades for being a very good player, not a Hall of Famer. Hey, people jump on their soapbox. So, God love Rod Brindamore, and I do as well. But then in Raleigh, that's the push. Right. And I love Rod and somebody called into the show and I said, I said, no. And I go back to what Phil Esposito said, who's in. And he said, I want a standard to be that doesn't diminish the standard of those before me. And then when I got in or or then after me, and there is something about and I know you're big on this. And just because you are doesn't mean it's a be all and end all. But first and second team all star. And I know we used to have a 16 league then a 12. team, But at the end of the day, you must be the best. Or number two at your now, and I get if you're Steve Eiserman and it goes Gretzky Lemieux, Eiserman, Gretzky Lemieux, Howard Chuck. So I get that. So basically, we're saying you gotta be one of the best three or four, or you know, maybe five at your position. But then we're talking about never scored 40 goals, never got a hundred points, never won an individual award, never been a person. Like, come on, you want to you want to sell me on a guy, and then I have to sell you on no. I hate selling on no. And I know we had a situation of guys in the past and it's my most awkward conversation and it gets me kind of, uh, because of, and I know NHLers, we talked to Mike Johnson and Marty Buran and they got to get into it too about certain stuff. If we want the baseball standard, we might never get that, but we got to be able to say no, you know, it's like going to a movie. Who's, who's the actor, Robert Redford, Tom Cruise, you know, who's the, if the marquee doesn't sell you, then usually for, I had somebody tell me this, if we have to really think about a guy, he's, he's probably not. And 
it's an awkward topic. I got, Bill's a lovable hot dog eating, never heard anyone type of guy. So at least we're on the same page on this one. Yeah, we are. And 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 we can look at a lot of players that that are that are in the Hall of Fame that you talk about that are very good. Like I never thought Daniel Sedin was a Hall of Famer. Well, he's going into the Hall of Fame this coming November. But I look at Daniel Sedin's resume and his record in the league. Very good player. Full stop. He, he he's in the Hall of Fame. So this is how these arguments like gain traction because you know you know he makes the Hall of Fame. Okay, so now somebody well you know this player's numbers are pretty close. What it really does to me is it kind of crystallizes for me like really. Like Keith Kachuk's not in the Hall of Fame and Jeremy Roenick's not in the Hall of Fame. Like it, it bothers me. It bothers me that those two guys are not in the Hall of Fame because to me, they're clear cut Hall of Famers, 500 goals, you know, a uh, thousand points. They, they, they were, they were real top notch players and you score 500 goals in this league. 500 goals is, is a benchmark. Does it automatically get you in? No, but to me, Let's have let's start pushing for Jeremy Roenick and Keith Kachuk because and it it, it just it, Phil Esposito talks about the standard lowering. Keep in mind, Steve, there's only six there's only six players that can go in per year. Four players, you know, two women maximum, right? I think two builders, six to two builders and four male players. Like, I mean, we we have an opportunity to keep the standard high. And that's all I've ever asked because there was a point that, and I could name names. And I remember being on with our buddy Al Strachan who talked about a certain player. And I'll let the audience who knows the game figure it out. This guy got in and he wasn't even one of the, he wasn't one of the top five players on the Stanley Cup champion teams. And, and then when you have voting, it's just like Connor McDavid has two heart trophies. It's almost to me a bit of a travesty. Only two, <laughs> only two. And then as soon as you vote, it's politics. You know, why did you vote for him or her? And, and then there's the, well, I'm a fan of Caroline. I want Rod in or different things. And that's why, to me, sometimes it's great to do something that's not voted on. We don't vote on the Stanley Cup winner. We don't vote on the Rocket Richard winner. We don't vote on the Art Ross Trophy winner. You know what I mean? And for everything else in our sport, we do. And then we can just, as long as we can agree to disagree on certain things, it's fine. We're at Hall of Fame time almost. We'll be at the red carpet. We've done the show there, television, radio, all that stuff. It is fun. Once someone gets in, I'm not going to, you know, slag or like, you know, you talk about the Once the decision's made on someone, fine. We'll agree to disagree or agree to agree. And, and, and then we kind of move on. So that, that was a front center story, as was as you and I saw you working on the weekend. You look good. I look at you sometimes and I think, does Craig just want to stay in the button studio or does he <laughs> want to travel? I know there's certain people you work with that just, just all the time, but anyway, that's a story for another day. So I watched Jim Rutherford first on your biggest takeaways from after hours with Scott Oak on the reeling Canucks at press time. I took them to win on Saturday and that was the worst of their game so far this year. What did you take away from Jim Rutherford on Saturday night? Uh, I took two things away, but, but one thing that I, that I take away and, and I have no time for it whatsoever is when I hear GMs tell me how hard it is to do something in any sport, 
it's hard to get defensemen. Oh, really? It is. Yeah. Jim, uh, is how hard is it, Jim? Because if it's so hard for you and Patrick Alvin, who's a general manager, and maybe we'll get somebody else to do the job then, because you know what? I, I, when I say I have no time, I have zero time for any GM telling me how hard it is to do something. Number two is everybody on the planet the, the people that don't even watch hockey knew that the Vancouver Canucks needed defensemen. They knew that it last year. They knew it in the summer. And so what are the Vancouver Canucks going to do? They don't get defensemen. And what's their problem? Defensemen. They don't have enough NHL quality defensemen. And so you're saying you're, you're going to go sign Ilya Mikheyev? Listen, I like Ilya Mikheyev. <laughs> it didn't address your problem. And now and they got an excellent goaltender. They got excellent forwards, right? And Quinn Hughes is a number one defenseman. And then everybody else after that is a bottom pair defenseman. And so you know what the problem was, and you didn't find a solution, and now you're surprised? You are surprised today that your team is so woefully bad. Really? Oh, okay. And you think it's about structure? Oh, go to, maybe they'll change the coach. I don't care who's coaching that team. <laughs> it ain't changing. It ain't changing. God love they Kyle need two defensemen. Yeah, God love Kyle Burroughs and Jake Rathbone. And, and I, I look at, all I do is play, you know, amateur GM. And I like, hey, I like Ely Labushkin. The Canucks signed him at what Buffalo did. And he's part of your right-handed last pair. I That might be an upgrade. Ben Sherratt, like, you know, it, I'm not going, I'm not asking you to go out and get Jacob Chikrin and and give up a first. You know, I'm, not, I'm saying there, there's, there was quality and quantity available. I think you just nailed it on the head. It would I would like a, you know, a Rolex watch, but I need a car and I can't afford a Mercedes. So I'm going to buy a nice, reliable GM vehicle. They went out and added to a, you know, forward group. They also went out and got Kuzmenko. So they, so they got two forwards and spent their money there and got nobody else on the back end. We're talking about, well, we'll move Quinn Hughes from the left to the right and we'll do this. And we got Luke Shen and Tyler Myers. And then, you're surprised, not you, but then people are. And I sit there and the other takeaway, was he, was he, was he pointing fingers at himself, at the management team, at Bruce or everybody? It was what a tough start. And then the idea now the Canucks are going to be sellers, going to go after BC native Connor Bedard. They're going to, is that the plan? I think I want to be a lawyer. I'm going to law school. Two days into law school, I'm going to be an actor. I quit. <laughs> what is the plan? I can understand how owners, I can understand how owners just go. So I, I don't know. I got to think you can still salvage the season. The Cucks almost did last year after a worse start. Kings were one, five and one, or maybe you can say you can't win the cup in October, Craig, but you can critically injure your chances in October. Oh, well said. Well said. There's the lead, right? And, and, and bottom line is, okay. So we can always look at a team that's one, five and one, right? Like, so in the Pacific Division, so you start out one five and one last year. The LA Kings did right. Well, the Vegas Golden Knights were, were were decimated with injuries. The Vancouver Canucks we know fell behind just as well. You had the Ducks and the Sharks. Like like so one five and one last year is not one five and one this year, <laughs> or in this case oh four and two. Okay, you know what I do with math. Ninety six points. They got to win eighteen more games, and they lose in the remaining seventy six games. That's really hard to do. And it's even harder to do with the defense and the blue line they put together. So I look at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Really good team. 
What does Ron Hextall go and do? He goes, we need better defensemen. We go and, go and sign Jan Ruta. Go and trade for Jeff Petrie. Yes, he moved Michael Matheson, right? I got zero time hearing how hard it is. You knew what the problem was. You didn't address it. And I got asked this question. Remember, well, won't Ilya Mikheyev help the penalty kill? I said, here's, here's what you don't understand about a penalty kill. Every face-off starts with the, uh, 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 every, every penalty kill starts with a face-off in your zone. So that means you're immediately defending and you don't have blue liners that are good enough. <laughs> and you're wondering how your penalty kill is going to improve with a forward. No, your penalty kill will improve with a defenseman or two or three. So at the end of the day and everything, do I think they're, I think like bottom line, 18 more, they got to win 18 more games and they lose to get to 96 points. You know what I say to that, Steve? Good luck. Good luck with that blue line. Good luck. And this has nothing to do. Listen, Luke Shen plays hard and Kyle Burroughs plays hard. You can't have a number one defenseman and then the rest of your blue line is bottom, is, is bottom pair. Oliver Ekman Larson is a bottom pair defenseman now. He, can, he can't play at the same level he once did. And we can argue if Tyler Myers is a four or five, but, you know, I'll give that, give that one. There's too many gaps. In, in quality defensemen in their lineup. So, you know, I, I, you'll have to ask Jim, you know, where he is. He kept talking about structure. He kept talking about working through injuries. Try working through a, po a porous defense. My dear late friend, Brad McCrimmon, always said, you can patch a lot of areas. The blue line is not one of them. He goes, it's just too hard. So for the people that said, well, 32, 15, and 10 last year, you're saying... Demko standing on his head, strength of the division. Like you look at, at the Atlantic as an example, you've got the big three. We could argue they all got worse or Toronto was a wash and Tampa and Florida got a little worse. Then we're figuring out Boston, Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo all got better, which means when you start, the, 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 the way their division breaks down this year will be teams will not take points against those three up-and-coming cute little teams like they did last year. Vancouver was able to say, Vegas is decimated. We get to play them. And we look at the strength of our division, and because last year wasn't as good, Bruce in free-flowing style, season's probably over, and guys spread their wings and scored. Now you're asking them to do that again. And basically, maybe it's touching the stove one too many times or going to the well using cliches one too many times. What worked last year, strength of schedule, isn't going to work this year. And we could argue JT Miller's not a 99-point player again. Like, everything they touched turned to go. There was a lot that went right. And everyone wants an improvement, right? Builder Lego, you score 40, they want 40 every year. But everything worked well for me to get my 40. So that means maybe you're a 32-goal scorer. So that number drops. Things drop. And I, I'm more surprised, Craig. You, you told me once, you better know what your team has. You better know what you have. And everyone always, oh, I got an 82, so maybe next year I'll get an 85 in math. How about this? Maybe you're 82, there were some breaks. Maybe the, one of the tests was the same as a year ago and the kids in the class talked. If you don't know what you have and then are surprised, shame on you. Like for, for, for them thinking, here we go, we're going to finish third, building on what we did last year without improving the, the areas that they got away with, that's, I'm surprised that they're surprised and I shouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anything to finish with it because I just think you, what you just described was perfect. And 
if JT Miller's an 80 point guy, but coming off a 99 point, that's really good in this league. That's really, really good. And if Thatcher Demko's save percentage just comes down just a little bit, it's still really good. And, and the offense that they have, you know, but it, 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 you're, you're banking on something without a safety net. And that's the blue line. So like, you know, if they had a better blue line, JT Miller at 80 points is fine. Elias Pedersen at 75 points is fine or 80 points. And, but now to your point, they're banking on things to, to repeat themselves. Not happening. I, I, I personally believe that they have a, a real serious uh, moment here to, uh, of, of, of evaluation of, of what they do next. Because I'll tell you what, they can go change the coach. Bruce Boudreau is one of the winningest coaches in, in, in the history of the National Hockey League. You don't improve the blue line. I don't care who's standing behind that bench. And Jim Rutherford can tell me structure. They can't handle the challenges with a blue line like that against good teams. They can't. You can have all the structure in the world. Ain't going to work. And Jim Rutherford, I'm played the NHL, Hall of Fame builder, of course. Did some great things coming out of the lockout. He had a vision of what Carolina could be as far as scoring goals. And others didn't see that same vision. You know, if you compare Carolina to, say, Toronto coming out of the lockout and, and different things. But sometimes managers get it wrong. Like in on Long Island, Lou, who just turned 80 and Hall of Fame career in the Cubs and everything else. You know, I look at that team and I just think there's it doesn't have enough talent. It just doesn't. And they they ran what with Barry as far as they could. You know, one nothing. We lost to Tampa in the conference final, and you lost. Tampa shut you down at one moment in even game seven. When was that game in doubt? And then people have false expectations. So now we're going to know maybe we whipped this mule to the very end. And now we've got to change. You know, we got to change some of the, the fourth line, you know, brawn for some other skill. Like maybe now's the time to trade a Clutterbuck or a Sezika. They brought the whole band back. And I watched them play, and I think they're just good enough to be eight, losing the first round again. And if I see it, then I think, okay, maybe I, I, I see something, or maybe I'm just wrong. And Craig, the most important job in hockey is the general manager of the hockey club. I'm telling you, that is, you can turn it around. Make You just talked about Ron Hextall and what teams do in the summer to either say, nope, we're bringing it back. Nope, we're pushing it forward. Nope, we're just kicking the can down the road. And I, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. Like you said, you're not saying it's easy, but I'd rather fail trying than leave gaps in either skill level or in the in case on the blue line. Because we're giving props here to Ron Hextall, not just because the Penguins had a lot to work with anyway, but he made a move. And two, um, the Islanders stay in the course. Is that crazy? A top six player? Uh, and the Canucks getting two other forwards with the blue line. So, I mean, we're just saying them as we feel them. That, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes even the best make mistakes, I guess. Yeah, well, well, they do. And Ken Holland has said that. He goes, when you've been a manager in the league, you, you know, for a long time, there's, you're, you're going you're to have a resume dotted with mistakes. But the reason you stay in the league for a long time as a manager is because you've had a lot of success. And, and certainly nobody's taken anything away from the successes of, uh, of the manager's that, that have had long tenors in the league. But when you think about it and, and you think about Brent Burns being available, Brent Burns was available. 
Brent Burns, I'm, I, I, I'm not saying that every team could have had him, but he was available. Carolina Hurricanes said, we're going after you. And you look at what the price was to acquire Brent Burns. You know, San Jose picks up salary. They get Steven Lorenz. They get a, they get a prospect goaltender. And they get a third-round draft pick for Brent Burns. Brent Burns. <laughs> so it's not like there's not opportunities out there. And the opportunities come in a lot of different ways. And <clears throat> when you talk about it, I think back to Dean Lombardi. Dean Lombardi, to me, made two unbelievably franchise-winning trades. Jeff Carter from the Columbus Blue Jackets in 2012 to help their scoring. Marion Gabrick in 2014 to help their scoring. They win the cup both years. And then he goes a few years later when they're still struggling to score. He trades for Ben Bishop. And it's like, what? Like, what? Like, and, and they didn't go anywhere, right? So if you're going to sign Kuzmenko, good player. Mikheyev, good player. It better be with the idea that you're trading somebody off your roster to get defensemen. Time now for KB on Ice. An inside look at the NHL brought to you by our good friends at Sports Interaction. Sports Interaction is Canada Sportsbook 19 plus play responsibly. Kreskin, that's you. You're the amazing Kreskin. 4 0 last week. Build on it, my friend. Okay. Well, I mean, we got Monday night, 87 versus 97. Marquee matchup in Edmonton. I mean, unbelievable. Tune in. I'll be watching. Not betting on that one, though. I'm betting on the Carolina Hurricanes to go in and extend the misery of the Vancouver Canucks. That's a good Carolina Hurricanes team. Tuesday, I'm taking the Flames to beat the Penguins at home. Back-to-back -back for the Penguins. And you look at the Calgary Flames. They squeak by the Canes, but they're playing pretty good hockey. Wednesday night, Islanders-Rangers. Islanders-Rangers. How does that always play out? Rangers on back-to-back. -back, I'm still going with the Rangers over the Islanders. Islanders can't score. Islanders can't score. Take the under and take the Rangers. <laughs> I don't think there's enough high-end talent on that Islander team. They're going to find <laughs> out this year they're just good enough to maybe be a wild-card team. Since you were so good on the individual games, I'm looking at some prop bets, some futures. McDavid to win the Rocket Richard, $10, basically pays $70. $100, pays $710. McDavid's scoring. Maybe Matthews doesn't get to $60. Betting on McDavid's a good bet to me. And Carolina is 6-1 to one to win the Eastern Conference in the regular season. 6-1? I mean, aren't they the best team in the Eastern Conference? Look at those prop bets. And a sexy game on Tuesday. Colorado beats the Rangers 4-3 in overtime. Colorado on the road. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook. Log on to sportsinteraction.com forward slash cool button to sign up and deposit today. So much going on. Sports Interaction is Canada's sportsbook. Please play responsibly. We've been talking about evaluation over, under, and teams, right? As soon as something good happens, hey, Steve, how about my Bruins? Just told you. And I said, oh, did they win their first round series against Tampa? I, I must have missed something. Or how about those Blackhawks with victories over Seattle, Montreal, whoever the strength of schedule is. It's okay. They're, they're, they're fans. So as we take this, you know, season, you know, and put into a little ball right here, we've already done some of the troubling, you know, we, we've plucked the Vancouver's, the Pittsburgh's and, 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 and the Islanders, you know, where are you on some of the other storylines that are, oh, maybe a little better or, ah, oh, maybe a little worse as it relates to the teams in a small sample size? 
you know, I, I, I thought that Nashville, you know, looking at their team, I thought they had more firepower. I'm, I'm, I haven't been impressed with Nashville this year. Like, they, you know, they're a team that looks, they look unsure of themselves. You know, they've, they've had leads and, you know, but it's like, it's like they're, they're like playing on eggshells. Like, okay, we got this lead, but you know, let's hope we can get a win out of this. And, you know, it's not the way you can play in this league. You got to play assertively. You got to play confidently. I don't see that uh, from, from the Nashville Predators. You know, last year, Roman Yossi was phenomenal for, for, for the, uh, for the Nashville Predators. I, I don't see the same zip in his game. And, you know, you look at you look at players that to me are barometers for a team. When I look at the Nashville Predators, there's two players I look to as a as, as a barometer for how they're playing: Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg. I, I don't see I don't see the juice there. I don't see the juice there this year. And I mean, we we know they're top players. We know that they're competitive and they got a lot of fire burning hot in them. But I, I don't see it from those two guys this year. And, you know, Roman, you, I mean, Forsberg signed a long-term deal, and it has nothing to do with that. But it, it shows you that as teams, as players go, so do teams. And in the case of the National Predators, I would say that Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg, you know, t- have just not been, not been the drivers for the National Predators this season. Yeah, and I'm surprised with that. And it's funny because yeah. I've got- I've got Nashville here too to say underwhelming, surprising. Dis- it's one, they're playing as if Yossi and Forsberg were hurt. And we say, well, just uh-huh. wait till they get back. Um, and then they, I mean, two wins against San Jose and Prague. I mean, it's not as if they went to Prague and beat Colorado twice. And we can say, well, we've got that, you know, juicy apple right here. Um, and, but, but it is, so I'm, I'm surprised and it's, it's too early to write them off. There's a lot of talent. So, but it is a team. I asked you when you brought up a great team. So I'm going to then throw a team in the other hemisphere, stratosphere, in the Buffalo Sabres. And you've liked their defense, the way they've improved. We talked about Labushkin. We're talking about Matias Samuelson, um, Owen Power. You go, what did you say? You go how some of your star players lead you. Rasmus Dahlin, Alex Tuck. And I, hey. I'm the first to say that I thought Kevin Adams was surprise hire. I always think that if you're going to get hired as a GM, there's got to be other teams or a team in the league that wants you or knows about you. And you must've been doing other things in hockey operations, which he wasn't. But right now it's a feel good story. Now, analytically what we call the puck luck shooting percentage, you know, Craig Anderson say all that. It's very, very good, but very impressive when you go into Alberta and win two in a row Tate Thompson can shoot the puck, man. And Alex, okay, so it's it's really good, but it is October. So is this uh, Liza Manella, huh? or it, will there be a market correction here? Because this is intriguing, my friend. This is an intriguing story, talking proud in Buffalo. You remember a few years back towards the end of the November, I think the Buffalo Sabres were, and, and the question was asked, are they for real, right? Are yep. they for real, right? And, you know, and, and were they going to be able to carry it forth? Well, the answer became very clear. No, they really fell off. I, I, I don't think that's the case with the Buffalo Sabres this season. I, I, I think they're a team that's going to be, you know, w- within four points of a playoff spot or five points at the trade deadline. I believe that. I think they're going to be playing meaningful games. And, you know, you talked about it earlier. Detroit, Ottawa, and Buffalo are, are, are not Detroit, Ottawa, Buffalo two and three years ago. 
they're 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 much improved. They're a, a team where they're they're going to beat good teams, and and it's not going to be an upset. It's not going to be oh boy, can you believe what they did? Or the good teams play down to their level. These are good teams, and they're built well. That 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 team a few years back didn't have the depth. This team has depth. I mean, Matias Samuelson goes out of the game Saturday versus uh, the Vancouver Canucks. And all Owen Power does as a rookie, just he just goes and plays 25 minutes again. Rasmus Dahlin, I mean, he's just a young guy. I mean, he, he he's a star. He is a star. He was the first overall pick. He just plays 25 minutes. Cage Thompson. Casey Middlestat's finding his way. You know, when they got balanced throughout their lineup. Dylan Cousins. And you know what else they got now? They got size. They got size, power, Darlene, Samuelson on the blue line, Lyabushkin with the, with the muscle and the weight. Then up front, they trade for Tage Thompson. They trade for Alex Tuck. They draft Dylan Cousins. Those are size guys, you know, and like with skill, with skill. You know what? Everything being equal, you're taking the bigger guy over the smaller guy. Everything being equal every day of the week. Those guys are big and they have skill. The Buffalo Sabres are hard to play against. And, you know, some of their smaller players, Olafson, they got protection around them now. When I say protection, they don't have to go do all the heavy lifting. Don Granado's got a lot of players that he can deploy in different situations that can not only swing the game in his favor, but keep the game in his favor. Good teams have that. Sabres, so, Sabres are a formidable team. So when they get to the trade deadline, I, and I think that they will be around it this year, and we could argue, I think Ottawa will be around it. I, I, I'm not sure if Detroit will be around it, but they'll be better, right? And notwithstanding the start and no regulation losses at press time and all that stuff, and all that's fine. And then these teams have to make a decision, which brings us back to the manager again. So the Buffalo looks up and they'll be like, well, we're four points out of a playoff spot. Ah, the other teams have a couple games in hand. And then they'll decide, are we keeping and going to – have more meaningful games, or is this the time to say, we're not ready yet, we're getting better, we're, we're going to make a move. And that'll be intriguing as we had no races in the East last year. It was over, I think, at Christmas. We knew our eight teams, they all had 100 points. They're not getting eight teams with 100 points this year. It's it's There's more parity. These three cute teams. So is Buffalo – see, I, I still like Ottawa – they got some injury issues, but is Buffalo ahead of the other two cute Atlantic teams? I'm trying to I'm trying to differentiate between the three because this division has the three so-called big boys, Boston, and these three cuties and Montreal. Am I over-categorizing and slotting this group? Because that's how it feels heading into Halloween for me, Craig. No, I I like I like that categorization. I I, I think it's a good one. So going back to the deadline. So wherever you're at, like you go, so what are you going for? What are you going for? That's another part of a manager's job is understanding what are you going for at any particular time? You know, last year, Joe Sackick was clearly going for the Stanley Cup. So he's, I need Josh Manson and I need Arthur Lekkinen and I need Andrew Cogliano, right? And it even started before that when he traded for Darcy Kemper in the summer. A team now that hasn't been in the playoffs for a long time, it's not about doing something, uh, you know, that 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 that, that is like eye dropped, eye popping. We go, I can't believe they did that. Like, you know, just to maybe get in the playoffs. 
sometimes the moves that can really just push your team a little, just a little bit further along. Like if you can be playing for a playoff spot in the last week of the season, is that not good for a team that hasn't had any of that? And lo and behold, now you make the playoffs. Now all of a sudden you get the excitement of a fan base, right? Understanding as a manager what you're trying to achieve is really important. I don't think Kevin Adams is looking at his team and going, well, geez, you know, I can only wait to the trade deadline. I might be able to add one or two players that can help us win the Stanley Cup. No, but if there's something that, that, that he says, I, I want to give these players a, 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 a chance for another step forward, that's a good thing, right? Like, it's not, I don't think you have to sit back or sit, sit back and go, oh, I'm not going to do anything. It's about, like, what can I do to, to just give my team a better chance at whatever your goal is that particular moment in time. A couple of years back, I'll just finish with this. I, and I, I admired the Edmonton Oilers. It was in the 09-10 uh, season. They started off terrible. They had lots of injuries. And Kevin Lowe said, you know what? I, I, I don't think I can do anything that's going to make a discernible difference. And he knew that Sagan and Hall were in the draft. So he just said, I'm going to let it play out. Now, th that was a different decision, but he, he didn't chase it. And, and I'm not saying chase it the wrong way, the other way, but you better recognize what you're trying to do. And I, I think sometimes giving your team a chance to, to, to just take that, sometimes it's just one notch above. And that's, that's important for a young team that hasn't had success. And, and I'm not, oh, and Powers had success, and all, but overall the Buffalo Sabres haven't had success in the past decade. It's a fun time to be in Western New York. Uh, this team is uh, fun to watch. Uh, fill the building and let's see what happens. Uh -huh. it's, uh, it's a it's a been a fun ride and going into Edmonton, not going into Edmonton in 93 and 94, but going into Edmonton now and doing what they did was very, very impressive. Mention episode 87. We've got at press time 87 and 97, which reminds me of a face-off of 66 against 99. And 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 Sid's playing so well. Uh, the Oilers aren't, uh, maybe the homestand was on a little bit too long, but when I say it and we talk about the best matchups over our lifetime, you know, whether you think of Trache center and then Lafleur on the wing, Habs and Islanders and different storylines, like we can't alter the schedule just to make certain people happy. I do believe if you are not a provincial league, everyone must come to your building. Imagine not seeing Ovechkin. Like people said, well, we got to, we got to re-rig the schedule. So the Islanders and Rangers play more and, the Battle of Alberta will play more in Tampa and Florida. Not at the expense of me not seeing McDavid, if I'm in Anaheim, come to my rink. I mean, this is what happens. We run out of games, Craig. But you get this, you know, Crosby uh, against McDavid. I, I just look back at some of the games, Crosby's overtime winner, McDavid. Like, McDavid's got the points, but Sid's got the two points, it seems, when they play. I hope we get a Canada Cup 87-65 game at Monday night. I really do. I, sometimes you just realize this. We cheer for players, not for teams. We want the players to do well. It's fun when we've got superstars in this sport. Well, and you have superstars at the top of their game too, right? Like it, it's not like there's a, a passing of the torch, so to speak, right? It's not like, oh, Sidney Crosby, you know, what a great player he was. No, what a great player he is. <laughs> and McDavid, what a great player he is. Like you talk about 99-66 and Edmonton Pittsburgh. Like, you know, again, it seems like Edmonton Pittsburgh had, had have cornered the market on, on, on superstars, right? And and these marquee matchups. So to me, it's it, it's fantastic. Listen, 
you know, Sidney Crosby has, has a great respect for the game. He, he, he knows what Mario did and what Wayne did. He knows how good Connor McDavid is. Connor McDavid knows what, what, what Crosby has meant to the game. And to me, you have the, you have the team battle. It's Edmonton hosting the Pittsburgh Penguins on the marquee, but those two players, they want to show, Hey, 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 you know what? We, we got something at stake here too, because there's no way that both those players don't want to be at their very best in this marquee matchup. So did the, Sunday night hockey turn into Monday night. Like, are we have Monday night hockey like Monday night football? I haven't gone through all the Mondays, but we kind of have a new marquee matchup. There's some big games on Monday. So is this the new thing? We've created a another new week on the broadcasting side. You know, Mondays is usually reserved for football, and usually hockey scared and stays away. So now are we just attacking and saying Crosby, McDavid? Toronto, Vegas, you know, big matchups. Are we are we going for it on Monday right now? Craig, is this the new broadcasting plan? So we've got the Wednesday hockey, the Saturday hockey, ESPN's got Friday hockey. So we've switched Sunday to Monday. Is that what's going on? Well, I mean, and who can forget about the the epic matchup last Monday with Arizona coming into Toronto? I mean, what an unbelievable <laughs> matchup that was. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> I would, I would rather, I would rather see uh, a Crosby McDavid matchup on a Wednesday night or a Saturday night. Okay, let's be very straightforward here. Okay, you know, you know, Saturday night is 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 you know, it's it's a special night, you know, on in Canada. It really is. And Wednesday nights have become a real big night, you know, for hockey. Not very many games scheduled, right? S- sandwiched in between Tuesdays and Thursdays, where the schedule is full. Where, where, where the attention plays out. There's no football on Wednesday nights, right? And, you know, like at this time of the year, yeah, there's, there's baseball. But put your, put your stars uh, on a platform where, where the greatest opportunity to, to, to showcase them is. And Monday night isn't it. <laughs> yeah, well, no more Sunday hockey, but at least we have free health care. Uh, as we wrap up episode 87 here of the Cool Button Hockey Podcast, I'm going to go back to my final thought on the manager theme. Um, and an early season storyline, let's say in Toronto, has been Matt Murray. Didn't you think that he gets hurt sometimes, which might end up being an, an early F? But then signing Ilya Kami Samsonov now, who has quietly been, uh, I mean, for Toronto, they've had four goalies in 50 years. Mike Palmatier, Felix Potman, Curtis Joseph, and Ed Balfour. He's clearly not this, but he started his Toronto career very good. He's, I think, allowed one bad goal. Apparently, he's funny and bubbly. I don't know. You don't know much about some people sometime. I still think what Washington couldn't have they got, they, they kept one of their goalies and signed enough. I don't know, Craig, as a manager, but, and I don't know where this is going, but if one's an F, one's an early A, because if they were going with Eric Schalgren for all those games, there would be, turmoil in a hot seat in Toronto. So I want to give a thumbs up to somebody who's doing his job in the crease, at least for now, while the other guy is banged up. That's my final thought. A very talented goaltender, Ilya Samsonov is. And, you know, I mean, at 25 years of age, we would, we, we see that kind of apprenticeship now come into being able to put it into really good practice. His numbers in Washington over his career were good, you know, Washington changed their system of play under Peter Laviolette, more of a, 
more of a let's push up the ice and you know that 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 puts a goaltender in a little bit more uh, of the firing line so to speak but I, I I've always felt that Ilya Samsonov was a really good goaltender Kyle Dubas you know he he went down a path he he, he got two goaltenders and I thought I, I never saw Matt Murray as the clear as the number one I saw him that he would benefit by being in a tandem clearly clearly Kyle Dubas felt the same way and so he, he, he knew that there was an injury history with Matt Murray. Nobody should be surprised that he got hurt, but he mitigated against that risk by having Samson on and, and, and he deserves his accolades. Like certainly Cal Dubas deserves his accolades in that regard. And at 25 years of age, you know, is he, is he the goalie now just coming right into his own? Is he, is he ready to come right into his own? And the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, despite, you know, a blue line that maybe we don't have faith that can help them win a Stanley cup. It's still a pretty good defensive team, right? So they don't expose, you're not exposed as much. So I think that works to any goalie uh, uh, strengths and Samsonov has been real good, but you know, early returns in the season, you know, the, the season doesn't begin at, at, at uh, you know, the evaluation doesn't begin at American Thanksgiving anymore, Steve, it begins on day one. And you asked me earlier about the Vancouver Canucks and you know, you can't win the cup in October, but can you lose it in October? I think the Canucks are showing you that. Well, there's the music as episode 87 comes to a close. The Penguins improving their blue line. What a blue line matchup on Tuesday. Kale McCarr versus Adam Fox. That's a sexy Tuesday night matchup. Maybe better reserved for a Wednesday or a Saturday, but Craig, I can't do the schedule and take care of broadcasting all at the same time. That's just too many things on my... I don't want to fight three wars on three different fronts, but <laughs> it should be a great battle as it relates to MSG. And um, yes, take a look at some of those uh, futures. I still like McDavid at that price. Let's see if he can continue to fill the net. For Craig Button, Bruce Bolton, I'm Steve Coolius. Episode 87 in the books. We'll talk to you next time. Be good, be well, and enjoy the hockey.